Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour, number 112 with Buffalo and Billy. This podcast was recorded on Saturday, July 18th, 2020. Brought to you by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms, fresh organic chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever, ever. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com. That's SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, it also tastes great. I do want you to know the current issue of Kudzu is out, issue number 38. And you can pick it up at KudzuMag.com. K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G. KudzuMag.com. Absolutely free. Features an interview with Jack Pearson, the great guitar guy. Also an interview with former Atlantic Records and Capricorn Records promotionals man, Dick Woolley. Uh, An interview with Almond Brothers Band author Scott Freeman. Archived interview with Bonnie Bramlett. And so, so much more. We've got a couple of very timely articles in. Um, One that the Rock and Roll Health Chick wrote about the COVID-19 and the masks that we need to be wearing and um, one that Anthony Richardson wrote a great article about the uh, African American community and the police. you got to read that. KudzuMag.com Well, today's subject is going to be greatest, the greatest <laughs> the greatest country albums of all time. And we're going to all get together here in just a few minutes and talk about it. To get things underway, I can think of nobody else in country music that should kick this off other than the great, late great George Jones. So we're going to hear a little bit of possum right now. Race is on. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes, folks. Stay tuned. I feel tears welling up, calling deep inside like my heart's strung a big break. And the stab of loneliness, sharp and painful, that I may never shake. Now you might say that I was taking it hard since you wrote me off with a call. But don't you wager that I'll hide the sorrow when I may rewrite down and bow. Now the race is on and here comes pride at the backstretch. Heartaches are going to the inside My tears are holding back They're trying not to fall My heart's out of the running True love scratched for another's sake The race is on and it looks like heartaches And the weather loses all One day I ventured in love, never once suspecting what the final result would be. How I lived in fear of waking up each morning and finding that you'd gone from me. There's aching and pain in my heart for the day was the one that I headed to face. Somebody new came up to win her and I came out in second place. 
Now the race is on and here comes pride at the backstretch. Heartaches are going to the inside. My tears are holding back. They're trying not to fall. My heart's out of the running. True love scratched for another's sake. The race is on and it looks like heartaches. And the winner loses all. All right, folks, that was, of course, old possum himself, George Jones, one of my favorite George Jones songs, The Race is On, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I want you all to make welcome uh, my regular co-host. You know him, you love him, uh, all the way from Parts Unknown, a man who is both a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll, Billy Eli, and also all the way from Austin, Texas, our returning guest, both musicologists and both former roadies on the George Jones tour, Jim Hemphill and Patrick Beach. Good Hi, guys. Well, Welcome. I, I, I think Hemphill once competed in the Miss America contest. We, we, didn't, we didn't get paid when George didn't show up. So that's why he's yeah. So you never made any money. Okay, guys. Exactly. Well, you know. Oh good. Oh, oh, good. You wouldn't want to start making money in the music business at this point. All right, folks. I want to say this. I want to say as a, as a uh, thing, Billy is going to have to cut out early today because what? He's got an actual gig, and we as musicians celebrate a musician who has a gig today. Anytime, speaking of not, anytime. Speaking of not, speaking of not making any money in the music business. Speaking of, yes, <laughs> right, exactly, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So we're going to get Billy to go ahead and do his. Uh, he's going to do his recommendations and name his five essential country albums, and then we're going to talk about him after he leaves behind his back. Right. So, Billy, first of all, your book, your record, and your album recommendations. Uh, my okay, I'm gonna start with my movie. My movie recommendation it's a it's a western with uh uh damn I'm blanking on the guy's name uh uh him no Robert Duvall and Hayden uh what's his, uh, Thomas Hayden Church that is is his first name Thomas yes uh. The movie's called Broken Trail, and it's about oh, yeah. it's about an old cowboy and his nephew, and they're escorting uh, some Chinese women who were imported from China to the uh, into Oregon to be prostitutes, and they have taken them and are taking them to uh, to into uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and it's about uh, it, it's it's kind of like Lonesome Dove except with Chinese girls instead of cows. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and oh, uh, okay. And and here in my my album, uh, you know, I'm gonna do a greatest hits album, from, and it's uh that that first greatest hits album with Gary Stewart, and I like Gary Stewart's stuff because it, he was he's one of the very few country honky tonk guys that doesn't sing in a baritone, which. It's been mm -hmm. speculated that that was why he was not a bigger success than he was because, you know, he, uh, Nashville really liked him. We got an Alfred Hitchcock movie going on. I started to say, who's got birds? It's, it's Pat. Okay. Uh, and, and so, but, but that, uh, 
he did, in my opinion, the best version of uh, Trudy, that song by Charlie Daniels. Yeah. I love Trudy on. I thought his version was better. Uh, it was great. It was, it, well, it was, it had a lot more kind of rock and roll and, and, and that sort of, uh, that kind of, you know, honky tonk barrel house piano in it. And, and I, and I really liked that. So, what uh, would you call Gary a tenor? Ish. No. Ish. Yeah. Ish. They sure wasn't baritone or bass. No, man. no, it was no, it, but it, it wasn't a true tenor either. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the it hell. Was it was not Vince Gill either, so it was like right. Maybe, uh, maybe they call that a mezzo tenor, you know? Maybe, 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 maybe yeah. so. Uh, I call anyway, it just good. It was good. Yeah. In my in my book, uh, I'm on Ben. I'm gonna give our partner in crime, uh, Pat Beach a plug. He wrote a really good book called A Good Forest for the Dying that tells the story of uh, environmentalist David Chain, who was hit by a fallen tree in uh, in Northern California. What ca- was was that in Humboldt County? That was, was in that? Humboldt. Yeah. That was in Humboldt. Yeah. And, and uh, the, tr- the, the tree didn't just fall, it was felled on Well, him. no, yeah, <clears throat> right. I was getting to that. And here's the great thing about, the, uh, about that book, in my opinion, and the research on it was just stellar. I really like what you did with uh, researching the the fact that that had been a pretty uh, that had been a pretty ethical lumber company. They had been bought in a leveraged buyout from like one of those equity firms that was just plundering the hell out of it. Yep. And uh, and 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 the 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 backstory of what was happening with the company and the, the CEO wound up later having to resign in disgrace and all that, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. And uh, part of the reason, and I told Pat, uh, another thing about that book that I really liked was uh, this activist, David Chain, was he, he grew up in Cold Spring, which is 35 miles from where I grew up. It's one county over. I didn't know him, but it's still, you know, to me, it's kind of like a local story, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I can recommend that book in, in – uh, you know, I don't read a lot of fiction anymore, so I, I like you know books like that. It's it's great. You actually find out something about somebody, and, and I can uh, I can highly recommend that book. And it's uh, it, you know, it's, it took me about three days. It's a good fast read without without making my brain hurt. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Billy, because I didn't even know Patrick had written a book. That's yeah. really cool. I've got now. I've got to read it. What'd you say the name of it is, Billy? A, a good forest for dying, and I and I can already tell you, Buff. I know enough about your taste. You're gonna like it. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It, it, it's well, I like book. Pat. So I mean, I, I figure, <laughs> I figure with his personality, it's got to be good. You know what? You know, let's, let's, he let's, was let's, a lot more professional. <laughs> it was a lot more professionally <laughs> done than I was expecting. Well, let's not <laughs> go there, please. Let's, let's don't let's, go there. I, mean, I had I had already known Pat like 15 years when he wrote this book, and I got a copy, and I thought, all right, I'm gonna just dive in and see what happens. And I get about 20 pages in, I'm like, damn, man, this is good. <laughs> like, wow. And I, and I called Jim up and I go, hey, man, tell me the truth. Pat really right? <laughs> it's hey, all plagiarism, baby. All plagiarism. I, I, got, I, I got an idea. How about we ditch the plan for today's uh, show and just spend the whole time talking about how great I am? Yeah. Let's <laughs> do that. You know what? That'd I think that would be me, great. Because I'm about to leave. Oh, I was actually planning on doing a whole show, Patrick, on my, on you. My five, my five top country albums. Maybe a series. I'm gonna I'm 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 jump right into my top five top country albums. All right. And y'all can discuss them when y'all come up with y'all's list later. Uh, okay. 
of course, sweetheart of the rodeo by the birds. Yeah. Those, I mean, that yep. that's just, you know, that's got to be on there. And of course, uh, and of course, uh, the, uh, the, burrito, the Flying Burrito Brothers, Gilded Palace. Uh, it's on my list. <laughs> um, Commander Cody, live from uh, Armadillo World Headquarters, live from deep in the heart of Texas. Um, that's three. I need two more. Uh, <laughs> you know what, man? Any, any, anything by George Jones before 1973, you, it doesn't even matter. Uh, Conway Twitty, look into my teardrop. That is a great, great album, man. And uh, yeah, and them's my and them's my five. And I gotta I gotta sign off, man, because I gotta go sound check. But uh, I talked to Mark Emery last week. Mark, Mark, I, I did too. To I talked to him last week. Yeah, um, he sent me a text. He said, "I don't text, but here's my phone number." <laughs> like, okay, great. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you tell you to? Do you tell you to eat more pork? Uh, you know, man. That's all he ever that? tells me. Eat more pork, Buffalo. Pork. Eat more pork. Yeah, more. <laughs> he likes yeah. barbecue. He, he, uh, for for the other two guys, he's uh he's a lead player for uh Co- uh Commander Cody. Cody, man. Dude is a monster telly-slinger. So anyway, uh, I'm out, and I'll talk to y'all soon. Y'all have a good show. Well, you have See a you good. Back, you have a good See gig. You back at the barn, Billy. Say hi to Kevin. Oh, okay. Well, here we go. There, there, and there he goes. We there can talk about him now. All right. Well, I thought he, I thought he'd never leave. I did. <laughs> Boom! Drum roll, please. And if you hadn't got a drum roll, just give me a crescent roll. That'll do. Make sure there's a lot of butter on it. Butter. I like butter. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go back. That was a strange way to do things. So we'll go back and do our recommendations. Starting with Patrick Beach, let's hear your uh, your albums. I mean, your suggestions for people who are looking for something to do. Right Music, on. books, right on. and well, movies, and blah, 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 blah. Well, since Billy recommended my book, uh, if anybody uh, out there in podcast land read, reads my book, they're going to need some cheering up, and we could all use some <laughs> cheering up no matter what. So uh, I, I spent a couple of very pleasant hours this week reading – Ian Fraser's Coyote v. Acme uh, collection of humorous essays he put out in the mid-90s, I think like around 96. Most of them were originally published in The New Yorker. And uh, I have subscribed to The New Yorker since I was in college, and they had their humor issued last summer, and they reprinted Coyote v. Acme, which is written as uh, <clears throat> a, a, a product litigation, a product liability lawsuit filed against the Acme Corporation by the Coyote and it's just Wally hysterical. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, of course, our our friend from Graves, Doherty, Heron, and Moody would have some quibbles about the way the thing is written, but it's just hysterical. And there's other uh, off-the-wall uh, subjects in there. He actually makes a bank statement funny. He is, uh, his, his, his style is most often compared to S.J. Perelman in that it's really wry and dry, but it's just hysterical and a great way to spend a couple of hours strangely enough billy and i picked the same album this week and that is uh bob mold's sunshine rot from last year bob mold ever restless the angry elder statesman of punk rock uh last year moved to berlin and made his happy record in berlin um it's it's just got a sweet sweet sound it sounds like bob mold but he's he's in a much better place psychically and it's just a ton of fun but 
he's got a new record coming out in September and he's back to his old cranky tricks. Uh, they dropped a single ahead of the album release about how screwed up America is right now. Oh. And uh, movie. Uh, this is going to tie into one of my album picks. But uh, a movie I rewatched recently from yeah, two thousand, early 2000s, 2002, 2003, A Mighty Wind. Oh yeah, and his cast of thousands. Everybody gives the love, and rightly so. To this is Spinal Tap, but uh, you know this this does for the great folk scare what that did for (laughs) hard rock or heavy metal. And uh, it was written by guest and Eugene Levy, and the best performance I think by far, even though Fred Willard is is in it, is Eugene Levy's because his is a tragic character who's barely able to function, and just like in Spinal. Just like in Spinal Tap, they make fun of the music. They make fun of the musical tropes, but they have great affection for the characters themselves, but especially Levy's. So that's my uh, that's my media picks for this week. Man, I tell you, what a great movie that was! And then they did they did oh, yeah. one um, they did one about dog shows. Do you remember Best that? Best in show. Oh, jeez, yeah. that is hilarious. <laughs> that's just, Fred, just, Fred Willard is so. I know it's that. hilarious. Fred, I love those Fred things, Will- man. I love those. All those people that went through, I used to dream of being um, in Second City in Chicago, and, and most of those people came through Second City, you know, and doing the improv and everything like that, so well, they were all my heroes, all those folks like that, and uh, those movies just kill me, and Fred I'm glad Will, you mentioned Fred Mighty Wind, because a lot of yeah. people, there's a lot of people that don't even know about that movie that are, you know, Spinal Tap fans, they would love that, Oh yeah. that too, I mean, equally. Yeah. In a whole different genre, but it's hilarious. I got to give a shout out to the the late, great Fred Willard because uh, people were posting clips uh, from his movies after he died. And every single part he played was like the Dunning-Kruger effect on display. (laughs) You know, the the idiot who doesn't know he's an idiot, uh, uh, especially in this one. What happened? What happened? (laughs) All right, Jim, what's your uh, All right. All right. I'm going to start with the book because it's the heaviest and I'll, I'll get through it. Try to get through it quickly. Um, you know, I've been trying to do recommendations that, you know, were kind of light and, uh, and appropriate for the times we live in as escapist. And this book was, this book was hard to read, although it was hilariously funny and it's called the sellout by Paul Beatty, um, won the man Booker prize. And, uh, it's, it's really densely written, but it's, it's such, such dazzling writing, such great prose. It's a, it's a it's a novel. It's set in L.A. The narrator lives in an African American suburb where people still have farms, which doesn't really exist, and he grows artisanal watermelons and marijuana. Uh, and he he ends and he one of his one of his friends is an older man who is the last surviving member of the Little Rascals who can't find his way in the world and decides he wants to be the narrator's slave. And the the narrator <laughs> fights to reinstitute segregation and to legalize slavery and ends up in a case called Me versus the United States in the U.S. Supreme Court. It is, I started reading this book and it was so dense and so many uh, cultural and literary illusions that it was hard for me to read and I kind of put it down. Then I picked it up again and I'm glad I did because it's hilariously funny and it's dazzlingly written. And, uh, and so it's... Uh, and it's a it's a satire it's funny uh but it's also serious and it's not just about race it's about culture it's about things we believe it satir- satirizes almost every political point of view that you can think of uh 
Paul Beatty, The Sellout. It's it's a tremendous book. My movies are kind of uh, uh, there are two that go together, so I'm going to cheat on this. And the first one is called Pay Up Cheaters, and it is the story of the beet farmers. Uh, it's oh. a documentary uh, that uh, that it's it could have been better done, but uh, I think we've talked about how much I love the beet farmers on this show. And uh, it's just for anyone who's not familiar with the beet farmers, you should uh, you should check it out. Uh, and if you are and you haven't seen it, you'll learn some things. And that it's it's available on YouTube for free in whole, so you can go on YouTube and watch it. And then as a companion piece on Amazon Prime, check out The Beat Farmers Live in London. Oh, wow. Uh, e- even though it was shot in L.A. It is available on Amazon Prime. It's an early, the early version of the band when Buddy Blue was in it. They just uh, released their second album. It's got great, great stuff on it. It's got their uh, great cover of, a, of Springsteen's Reason to Believe. It's got their great cover of Neil Young's Powderfinger. It's oh, got wow. Riverside. It's got Gun Sale at the Church, which is one of my favorite Beat Farmer songs. Uh, check it out. Uh, Pay Up Cheaters and the Beat Farmers Live in London, although shot in L.A. And my, my record is something that everyone who's listening probably still already has, but if they don't, they should, and it's, a, it's an easy pick. And it's uh, Sun Volt's first album, Trace. It is... In my in my mind, probably the greatest uh, alt country album to date. Uh, I just think it's fantastic. Uh, Damn. I believe it's better than anything Uncle Tupelo ever did, and it's better than anything Wilco ever did. Although I like Wilco, probably on the whole more than Sunvolt. Trace, I think, is just just a tremendous record. If you don't have it, get it. Wilco has so bored me for at least the last five years. You know, I, I don't I don't get the ride or die ethic those fans have. I love seeing Wilco live just because Nels Klein is such an unbelievable oh. guitarist. Oh, he's, so a, he's I, a monster. He's a I monster. will go see them anytime just to watch Nels Klein play. I don't uh-huh. think that Tweedy is is I don't get the songwriting uh, accolades he gets lately. But but she's uh, Nels Klein is so good. So anyway, those are my picks. Cool. Cool. Well, you've. You got me wanting another book now. That's good. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> no I'm, I'm going to get broke doing this show because I keep writing you guys. Suggest, i got to get Patrick's book somehow or another, and I've got to get the, the you can buy it on Am- You can buy it on Amazon for about a nickel. A nickel? Okay, good. Uh, I like that. How long has your book been out? It came out, in, it came out on Earth Day 2004. Oh, so it's been out a while. So. Yeah. It's been out too long to write a review of, in other words. So, I'm afraid, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine, my choices are kind of, uh, I don't, they're not generic, but they're more mass appeal, I suppose, uh, except for one of them. They're kind of mass appeal things. But, okay, my book, uh, I'm going to go into fiction. I'm a um, rabid Stephen King fan. And back here behind me is probably every book that King ever wrote. Uh, I decided I wanted to do a King book today or talk about one. So I think, which is my favorite? Uh, kind of hard to say. I'm going to go with Misery um, from 1987. Now the movie, everybody's familiar with the Kathy Bates movie, which was great. It was great. But the book is at least twice as good. Because mm. there are moments in the book that are so downright horrifying 
that they're still in my head that I can't shake them things in the movie I was like yeah okay but in the book there were things that they couldn't even do on the movie screen and make look real so they changed them you know I'll just leave it at that I'll just say that it was burned in my brain forever okay moving right along last night I rewatched a movie from 1994 and it's uh it's one I really love. Uh, Jodie Foster as Nell. Mm, Nell. Liam Neeson and his wife Natasha Richardson. May she rest in peace. Wonderful actress, and it was terrible. She, As we know, she died in a skiing accident. But uh, I loved Liam Neeson. Before he, before he had a particular set of skills, he was a, he was a psychologist trying to help Nell. And the whole thing they did in that movie with the language and her, you know, everything. It was just, well, I thought it was well-written, well-acted, good movie. Now, I like it. Record album. Okay. It's always hard to pick because, like you guys, I have way too many CDs, albums, and God only knows two, two terabyte hard drives full of music. <laughs> so yeah. what do you pick <clears throat> well okay what would I pick I thought about country music and you know I thought okay well I'll just kind of lean toward country one of my favorite albums Graham Parsons Grievous Angel yeah second and final solo album 1974 lots of killer harmonies with Emmylou Harris the song Return of the Grievous Angel if I only had a dollar for every time I tried to sing that in shows, <laughs> I was never, never a gram. But I just love the song. You know, the Cowboy Angels, all that stuff. Hickory Wind, we used to play that too. And we talked last week, I believe it was, about Love Hurts, which uh, this his version of Love Hurts is on there. Yeah. Him and Amy Luke and Thousand Dollar Wedding. All that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, a lot of people, you know, I like to read liner notes. And it's interesting that, you know, James Burton was in the band on that. And Bernie Ledden from the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt. There's all these people were on that album that I, I wasn't even aware were on it. So anyway, that's my album. Graham Parsons. Uh, good saloon in every single town. That's what I want. All right, folks. It's uh, Kudzu Radio Hour. And we're here with three out of four of us. Michael <laughs> Buffalo Smith, Jim, and you know the other guy, Pat Rick. Patrick Beach. No, 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 no. We could we could add a Rick. We I I could be Pat and then we could add Rick and we'd have four. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that what the marquee said at your book release? Pat, Rick. Yes. It's, it's Pat, Pat and Rick Beach. Pat and Pat Rick, and Rick Beach. Beach. <laughs> that's that's that, good. That's good. That's a, yeah. that, that is a true story. He's not. You know what's so up. funny about that? And this is honest truth. When one of my first books came out, they did a thing at Barnes and Noble, and they put Michael and Buffalo Smith, <laughs> <laughs> and I said. Well, which one do you all want? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, we're talking today about country albums. 
No, we're not talking about Florida Georgia Line or Taylor Swift, or Luke Bryan, or any of those people. I mean, I don't think you know these guys are. You're of course you're you know welcome to pick Lowe's, but if you do, we'll have to kill you. Um, we're gonna talk about each of us. Uh, we we we've each each chosen what we feel like are our five essential albums. Just another blatant attempt at us by us to influence your musical taste. And uh, I don't, I'm not going to go first. I think this time we'll start with Jim. All right. Um, this was a little uh, daunting exercise for me because I did not grow up with country music. Uh, I grew up in a, I grew up in a farm town, but I lived in the town. And so the kids that lived on farms grew up listening to country music. And I grew up, my parents played show tunes and big band stuff and my brother and sister were, were older than me and were, were into the rock and roll and so um so i'm not drawing from as deep a well as some others are when i'm talking about these records that i have some familiarity with i mean like billy said you know anything by george jones pre-1973 i'm sure there's a record out there that would be perfect for that i i know you played the races on which is one of my favorite country songs um but you know george turned into something else after 1973, as far as I can tell. And so some of that, you know, country poet and Nashville sound stuff, which is not really up my alley, although I do have a couple records I want to talk about that are in that vein. So anyway, uh, that's just to say that I, uh, I'm going to talk like I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not sure I do. Uh, uh, the first country, my first record is the first country record I actually had, which I didn't get until college. And it is Hank Williams, 40 Greatest Hits. Now, again, you know, you're talking about great country records and you kind of have to talk about Hank Williams. Of course, he was making records before albums were really the, the primary form of recorded music. It was mostly singles, but this is the one with the kind of garish yellow cover with musical notes on it. And uh, I got that it, while I was in college and I was just like, wow. Okay. All right. This is, you know, the first thing I thought of when I heard it was, this is like the country version of, <clears throat> excuse me, of the, uh, like Robert Johnson is to blues, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's it was more modern, but it was just so elemental and had just the you know all of the building blocks of what came after it, and uh, you know so that was my first country record. You know, if you don't have Hank, any Hank Williams, I don't know why you don't out there in in podcast land, but go get it. Uh, and Forty Greatest Hits, I think, is a is a great collection. There are some that are smaller. There are some that are bigger. But I think that's the right amount of, of Hank to have at a minimum. My next record is something that I consider country because it sounds like country, even though there's no steel guitar or fiddle on it. And that is the Elvis Presley's The Sun Sessions, the very earliest Elvis recordings. Now, I know people say, well, maybe that's rockabilly. But to me, it sounds like country music. And it's got more playing guitar on it and any record that has scotty Moore playing guitar on it is a great record by me uh, uh to me you get the sun sessions and you get a collection of elvis's biggest post sun hits and i feel like that's all the elvis i need uh i know a lot of people will disagree with that but you know uh, the, the if i could interject real quick there jim the the, the really fascinating and consistent thing about every single single he cut when he was still with Mr. Phillips was the A side was a rockabilly or rock and roll song. And the B side was a country song. Exactly. Every single one, every exactly. single one. And, uh, it just, I just think that's, you know, and it's, it, 
depending on your feelings about rockabilly, it could be not maybe not all the rockabilly you need, but certainly the best starting place. So Elvis Sun Sessions. The next one is weird. I had this next one on cassette years and years ago, and I lost it to the mists of time, but I've always remembered it fondly. So yesterday I dialed it up on the intranet, intratubes, and listened to it for the first time in years. Uh, and a lot of my recollections about it were confirmed, and that's Ray Charles, Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 sometimes the arrangements with, uh, and Patrick's holding up a copy of it right now, sometimes the arrangements, the strings kind of make my teeth hurt. Uh, they're just sometimes just a little bit uh, overdone, but that was the Nashville sound. I love the songs with horns. The, the, the arrangements are kind of like big band jazz. Uh, a lot of the horn arrangements are, but I mean, it's Ray Charles singing these songs and you know, the vocals are just so incredible that, uh, that it's just, it, it's really something. And I had either not known or had forgotten there was a volume two uh, as well. And I listened to that yesterday and it's kind of broken up side. One side is kind of the, the more upbeat stuff and one side is the uh, more ballads and the, the upbeat side one of, of volume two of Modern Sounds and Country Western Music is fantastic. Uh, so, you know, um, I don't know that it's the best thing that Ray Charles ever did. I, I like his earlier R&B stuff probably better, but it is a, it was a landmark in, in, uh, in both Ray's career and in country music. Uh, the next one, uh, again, is a Greatest Hits collection at Patsy Cline's Greatest Hits. It originally had this kind of garish green cover, which is how I remember it, because when the movie came out, Sweet Dreams, which is a great movie for because of two words, and that's Jessica Lange. Uh, when, the, when the movie came out, you could go into uh, thrift stores and find used copies of Patsy Cline's Greatest Hits with a green cover, and then I think it was reissued um, when the movie came out with a different cover. But anyway, it's got 12 songs. Uh, again, it's got a lot of that country politan Nashville sound, the Owen Bradley, Chet Atkins, heavy strings and backup vocals. But again, she is such a great singer. One of the things I didn't know is that the version of Walking After Midnight on that record is not the original hit version from the late 50s. It's a re-recording. So right. I went back and listened to the original. And I prefer the original, even though the remake is faster and i usually like faster better than slower it's just a little more little more honky tonk in it and a little less nashville sound in it um my my number five i'm jumping ahead a couple of decades and that's the first dwight yokum album guitars cadillacs oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. you know that was kind of the return of the bakersfield sound which oh, itself yeah. was a return of honky tonk you know, uh, after after a lot of this, uh, you know, uh, highly produced Nashville sound of the 60s and 70s. Love Pete Anderson, the guitar player and producer. Uh, and, you know, uh, if I could, I'd also put on my list Rhino's reissue, the very best Buck Owens volumes one and two, which kind of which kind of go along with this, which is that Bakersfield stuff. Uh, but, you know, this record came out and, and I did listen to it contemporaneously back in the in the mid 80s. And I was starting to educate myself about country music and uh, just just loved it. Uh, I'd also plug the first record that Dwight did after Pete Anderson left Blame the Vein back in the mid 2000s, I think is the most underrated Dwight Yoakam record. But Guitars Cadillacs is just 
just classic. classic. And I, I made this list assuming that someone was going to do Sweetheart of the Rodeo, Gilded Palace of Sin, uh, Redheaded Stranger, and one of the Johnny Cash live albums, either Folsom uh, <laughs> Prison or San Quentin. Those should all be on the list, but I'm not going to talk about those. So those are my five. All right. Uh, I think I'll I think I'll go next, and then and then we'll uh, we'll let Patrick uh, put the cherry on top, so to speak. Yeah. So, so, something tells me I'm going to have to run out for fresh cherries because y'all picked mine already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with a uh, an album by an icon but the thing is when this album came out it didn't get great reviews in 1983 it was a willie nelson album called tougher than leather didn't get very good Mm -hmm. reviews Mm -hmm. at all but it was a go-to album for me in junior college uh kind of a theme album with a lot of western theme and um and the, the the title track about the gunfight and everything just such great songs and they had a theme running through it of roses because you know in the first in the title track it talks about the rose petals fell in the sand then there was a uh my love for the rose and then the convict in the rose and summer of roses all that on that one album so there's a lot of roses going around but um tougher than leather uh remains one of my all-time favorites and yeah you mentioned redhead stranger i almost did that one and i said well, okay somebody else is going to do redhead stranger <laughs> so i'll do tougher than leather mm-hmm. uh my number four is bobby bear lullabies legends and lies 1973 all songs written by my hero shell silverstein oh my gosh what a great writer and his go-to country guy was bobby bear and his go-to rock band was Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. They recorded all of his songs. So on this Bobby Bear album was uh, three big hits for him on the country charts. Marie Laveau about the witch and the Daddy What If little sweet little song he did with a three-year-old Bobby Bear Jr. (laughs) who later went on and had his own career as an adult. And then a song called The Winter, which was kind of funny. Uh, some of the songs are funny, some are heartwarming. He had a song on there called The Wonderful Soup Stone, and I, I talk to people about soup stones, and there are a lot of people who don't know. And I had somebody tell me they didn't think that was real. I'm like, no, my grandfather had one. It was a real soup stone, and it, it had been boiled in with a bunch of uh, meat, so it had that flavor on the stone. And when it didn't have any meat, he would put the stone in the boiling water and it would give this this flavor of uh, beef or pork or whatever. It's crazy. The Soup Stone. Also on that album was a song called The Mermaid. Hilarious. Hilarious song. And, uh, uh, you know, anyway. the um, I was trying to see what my, my notes are. I kind of ran off the edge. Oh, a song called Sure Hit Songwriter's Pen. That was a good one. And Rosalie's Good Eats Cafe. Lots of good songs on that one album. And, of course, the record company did a double album uh, reissue a few years ago, and it had like 10 songs that they had recorded of shells that were never released. So, uh, 
gonna repeat I guess I'm going to doggone it man must my 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 computer screen is going crazy okay I'm gonna repeat one my number three is one of my all-time favorite albums the Flying Burrito Brothers Gilded Palace of Sin 1969 Graham Parsons at his best and again if I had a dollar for every time I tried to sing those songs Sin City Wheels my one of my all-time favorite songs Hot Burrito Number One of course it's got Hot Burrito Number Two as well but Hot Burrito Number One uh, Elvis Costello did a great version of that too, he which did. is bizarre. He did. On yeah. the Almost Blue. Uh, Christine's <clears throat> tune. And uh, covers of two great songs by Dan Penn and Chip Smullman, who, incidentally, I have an interview next week with Dan Penn. And, uh, but they wrote Do Right Woman and Dark End of the Street, which are on the Flying Burritos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan's a great writer. Uh, I'm going to try and rush up a little bit here. Uh, not that we're in that big a hurry. Number two is, uh, <laughs> yes, I did a greatest hits. I couldn't, I couldn't decide. I had to put Merle Haggard. So 20 greatest hits. Again, like Jim said, there are the, there's the 40 greatest hits, the box set, the 12 greatest hits. But 20, 20 had all the songs that I learned when I was learning to play guitar and quote unquote sing, I, Mama Tried, Silver Wings, Sing Me Back Home, Okie from Muskogee, Fight Inside of Me, Tonight the Bottle Let Me Down, I'm a Lonesome Fugitive. That's just a few of them. Uh, Great stuff. I remember yeah. being in the um, junior high school talent show in the seventh grade at D.R. Hill Junior High School. In my first foray into stage entertainment, I stood up there in front of the whole student body and did impressions. I wanted to be like Rich Little. Um, there was a TV show on at the time called Copycats. It was Rich Little and Frank Gorshin and all these guys doing impersonations. And I wanted to be like that. So I did. I stood up there and did Richard Nixon. and uh, And then I did some singing things. And held a guitar, didn't know how to play, but I held a guitar and sang a little bit of A Boy Named Sue and a little bit of Okie from Muskogee. And I believe I attempted to do Charlie Pride, too, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I believe I was doing Louisiana Man, um, the old uh, Doug Kershaw song that he covered. Okay. But enough reminiscing. Uh, my number one, and there should we should like have bells and whistles and special effects but thank you thank you thank you if someone would just pass gas that would be good enough but since billy's not here we'll have to go ahead (laughs) hey i got him i knew i was going to get him a zinger since he wasn't here he keeps keeps walking back into the frame how the hell are we supposed to miss him if he won't go away he just won't go back he just won't go away that's right that's that's what i said about my first wife um anyway the um Number one is Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. 1968, number one Billboard album. Ah, oh, yeah, included the live version of his hit Folsom Prison Blues. Of course, Cocaine Blues. Gotta love a song about cocaine. Just ask Eric Clapton. Long Black Veil and Jackson duet with June Carter. 
that my mm -hmm. sister and I used to, when we were little kids, we, speaking of doing impressions, she and I would entertain the family by singing Jackson as Johnny and June, although we didn't sound anything like them because we were little kids. <laughs> and then uh, the song on there, Stripes, which is one of my cash favorites too. So there you have it, all in color for a dime, my five. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the expert, the musicologist, the king of the world, the master of the universe, he even writes books, and he tap dances on Fridays. Not just Fridays. At a gay yeah, nightclub. Yes, that's right. Not just Fridays. Just I, not, I, not that I there's don't. anything wrong with it. No. I don't tap. I don't tap dance on Sundays. I'm too busy with church stuff. Proof. Oh, that's <laughs> right. So your religion doesn't believe in dancing on Sunday. <laughs> I can see. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of these. Yeah, some yeah, of these just dancing be... around that, so to speak. Since I get, mm -hmm. since I get to, uh, since I get to go last, there's going to be a bunch of sloppy seconds here. But I'll, I'll run, I'll run this. Into it the won't be your first place. time. So go ahead. Now I'll. Uh, <laughs> Now I'm, I'm wondering, strictly speaking, what the definition of uh, spoilers is and whether one can spoil themselves, because a couple of these are going to sound familiar. In no particular order, I, I have to pick Sweetheart of the Rodeo because it was such a groundbreaking album made with great sincerity uh, and met with derision from both the country traditionalists as well as the, the hippies. But man, has it stood the test of time. And last year, Jim and I were lucky enough to see Sweetheart of the Rodeo live at the Moody Theater here in Austin. And it was one of the best shows I've ever seen it in my whole life. Just tremendous. Uh, it just... was it was marvelous, marvelous. And they told they told these wonderful stories uh between songs and uh uh and they had a secret weapon name of Marty Stewart. Oh god. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was uh yeah, McGuinn wow. and Hillman with Marty Stewart and his band. Wow. And it was and you know Hillman did such a Hillman did all of the Graham Parsons vocals, right? And he just it was so good, it was just a fantastic. Oh, y'all are show. so lucky to see that! It oh man, amazing! I am so glad we had we had seats in the sixth row, you could hear every note. Wow, it was damn near perfect. Number two will sound familiar. <laughs> this, uh, this new Ray Charles album, that, Ray Charles, that Jim mentioned. For those of you without video, he's holding the album up. <clears throat> I liberated this from my in-laws house uh, before they got flooded in Hurricane <laughs> Harvey. And liberated. I'm sure glad I did. But I was thinking this morning, uh, if you if you had heard these songs first on this record, it would kind of ruin them uh, if you went back to the originals because they're they're so familiar. They're all chestnuts. But man, if you had you know, lived in a cave and had not heard Bye Bye Love, or half as much, or I love you so much it hurts, or born to lose, or it makes no difference now, or you win again, or careless love, I can't or stop I can't loving stop you. loving yeah. you, yeah. or hey, good looking. Before you heard this, uh, I can't I can't imagine what hearing the the source material would be like. And Jim alluded to uh, uh, subsequent reissues in the digital age too. And you may or may not know, Jim, that. Uh, they were released as a box set that looks like one of those old 45 record players in a suitcase. Mm -hmm. And that's got, that's got a bunch of good stuff on it too. Okay. Now I'm going to try to run it into the ditch because I was trying to think <laughs> quite un unconventionally. And my next pick is uncle Tupelo's March 16th to 20th, 1992. <clears throat> now, uh, of course they were known as, uh, 
uh, an alt rock band and the band that kicked off the no depression movement and not coincidentally at all a, a magazine by the same name however march 16th to the 20th produced by peter buck uh and the budget was so small for this record that they actually stayed at peter buck place in athens almost entirely acoustic uh there are songs about moonshiners there are songs about coal miners and they cover the leuven brothers so well that's damn sure a country record and you cannot tell the covers and the traditionals from the original songs i think it's just a seamless piece of work and apparently it came about because buck went to see uncle tupelo at the 40 watt and they did atomic power and he started talking to him and said hey we should make a record and tweety and farrar both love bluegrass too so this is not unlike sweetheart of the rodeo uh, a very heartfelt tribute to uh, musical styles that meant very much to them that didn't land well, particularly with Uncle Tupelo fans, because all the hardcore Uncle Tupelo fans knew them as a rock and roll band who bought everything put out on SST records that had a little bit of twang. This has got quite a lot of twang. They didn't twang it up this much until Anodyne. So, <clears throat> and... Uh, Along along similar lines, I got to go with the nitty-gritties. Will the circle be unbroken? Oh gosh, yeah. The uh, mm. the uh, country music uh, uh, series that was on PBS late last year or this year yeah. uh, it really took me back to that set, and I've been spinning it a lot ever since then. It, it, it's such a great union live in the studio of these legendary players like Cash and Roy Acuff and on and on and on covering these iconic songs by the Carter family with these young Turks. And all my life I've been a fan of history. And and that record, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, is a classic example of looking to the past to show you the way forward. Because that's wow. that's sort of the, the you know that's sort of the touchstone for the long haired country music from which Austin benefited more than any other scene, I got to say. And finally, I think this is my fifth, Harry Smith's Anthology of American Folk Music put out by Smithsonian Folkways first as six LPs in 1952. Harry Smith was an eccentric, a vagabond, more or less homeless, uh, one of the great American eccentrics of all time. In 1940, he started collecting these obscure 78s uh, from around 1920 to 1940. Now, you can you can make a case accurately that this is not, strictly speaking, a country set, and it's not, but it's arranged thematically. Some are just songs, some are social songs or social protest songs, etc., etc. Harry Smith had this amazing collection of thousands of 78s, and they eventually found their way to Smithsonian Folkways, and they found out this guy knew more about these forgotten uh, uh, songs, as Greel Marcus put it in the liner notes from the old weird America than anybody else. So Smith wound up arranging the records, arranging the sequencing, doing the artwork, and writing the liner notes himself, and it's just absolutely spectacular. Of course, the records are so old they're a hundred years old. Some of them now they sound incredibly primitive. Primitive. They sound like they were recorded in a moving box car. But you can't, huh. 
ignore the raw sentiment and that is what draws me to that kind of music and that kind of you know bluegrass is no different than punk rock to me it's raw it's throw mama down the well it's i'm desperate i'm dissipated i'm working i'm dying i'm getting a divorce yada 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 and uh, it was enormously influential when it first came out in 1952 in the middle of the mccarthy era no coincidence there but it was sort of the uh, the big bang of the great folk scare and it was a huge influence on John Fahey and Pete Seeger and Bob Dylan and on and on and on. Reissued digitally after a long time gone in 1997. And I got it for Christmas the year it came out. And I've never stopped listening to it. There it is, boys and girls, my top five. Excellent choice. And you talk about uh, eccentrics and Harry Smith. And, you know, I think now it's a rule that every episode of this podcast has to have a mention of the New York Dolls. So I'm going to work my New York Dolls reference in. And you, you know that David Johansson, the Dolls lead singer, put out a couple records in the early 2000s credited to David Johansson and the Harry Smiths that were largely reworkings of some of the songs on that anthology. So, right, right, right. Excellent. Wow. excellent. I, got, I got to back up and, and uh, add one addendum to my uh, movie recommendation, A Mighty Wind. The setup for that movie is these are all these uh, veterans of the great folk scare who reunite their their acts because uh there's going to be a memorial concert for a folklorist who's loosely based on john lomax and uh john lomax could as well have been harry smith except harry smith didn't make any of these records he just there's collected. billy yeah god damn it billy <laughs> he said, he, he, said he, he just said he left uh i wanted to say uh you you, you mentioned uh will the circle be unbroken and Dog on it, that should have been on my list too. Um, I did an interview with Jeff Hanna, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I thought it was going to be one of the usual 20 minute interviews. We talked for three and a half hours. Wow. This guy was a just a fount of knowledge about all the country music and he had researched and knew all, all the people that they had invited into the studio. He knew their histories. So we talked about all that. And, um, I never will forget. We hit it off so well. He, they had just issued a box set of circle bed broken volume one, two, and three in a box. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know, pretty expensive, but so he signed one of those and mailed it to me. And I, man, I thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I don't know what happened when I moved at some point, it got misplaced. And I was like, half of my life does that. But anyway, those albums are, excuse me, are those country albums are our choices. And uh, we're going to start wrapping up. I want to say, I should probably say this off the air, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> Your assignment for next week, if you decide to accept it, now make sure... When you after you listen to this message, it's going to self-destruct. <laughs> so be careful. But I thought we would deal with songwriters, any genre, your favorite songwriters. It can be an individual or a team. It can be anything. Yes, it can be David Johansson and Sylvain. <laughs> it can be Joey Ramone and Marky, or it can be. You know, uh, Dan Penn, Spooner Oldham, um, which may be on my list. Yeah, um, so anyway, I thought that would be fun. We could do that. And um, 
and so we'll wrap up uh, still trying to figure out that why Billy couldn't be on but he's still there uh, his his show is on his front porch oh is it yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes perfect sense. He was just coming in to get more beer. Okay, I got you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, he's <laughs> he's, he's doing a show on the front porch. Oh, that's the way to more, do it. Thought of one more thing I wanted to say, speaking of songwriters. Uh, I wanted to give a bonus recommendation, and it's for a podcast, but you were only allowed to listen to this podcast until you've listened to 100-plus episodes of the Cuds Radio Hour. Yeah. Uh, a year or two ago, Malcolm Gladwell, he's got a podcast called Revisionist History. And uh, uh, season two, episode six is called King of Tears about sad country songs. And uh, he goes to Nashville and interviews. Who's the guy who wrote D-I-V-O-R-C-E? Billy Burton, is it? Uh, something like that. He, so. wrote all, he wrote all those country weepers. And when we're off the air... I'll, I'll let you guys guess. I don't want to spoil it for anybody else, but he's, he's building up throughout this episode toward what the saddest country song ever is. And you uh, all, yeah. you all, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can see, I can see Jim knows what the answer is yeah. already. Anyway, yeah. I, re I recommend that, but only if you listen to, what is it? 112 episodes of country. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the numbering is off on that. It's probably uh, more than that, but who's counting? Um, yeah. so anyway, uh, so we will be back next week. I do want to thank Billy Eli and, uh, hope his gig's going well on the front porch and, uh, want to thank Jim Hemphill and Patrick Beach as always, thank you. always a pleasure. Always all these pleasure. cat daddies. And, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go out with a tune from, uh, yes, we're going to do the flying burrito brothers. Oh, Hot yeah. burrito number one, one of my favorite oh, yeah. songs. Yeah. And uh, you may be sweet and kind, but it won't keep you warm at night. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And All right. Thank right. you.
Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. The Flying Burrito Brothers featuring, of course, Graham Parsons from the 1969 album Gilded Palace of Sin. Hot Burrito number one on the Kudzu Radio Hour. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour podcast. Brought to you by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh organic chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, it also tastes really good. (laughs) It does, baby. I'm not kidding you. I want to thank my co-host, Billy Eli, as well as our, uh, I guess you would go ahead and call them uh, other co-hosts, Jim Hippill and Patrick Beach, uh, for another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour. Be sure and tune in next week. We'll have another episode next Saturday, and uh, it'll be posted anytime you want to listen to it. Please share it on your social media and let everybody know that We are alive and well and talking all kinds of stuff. If you have any suggestions, please email them to us. You can email directly uh, to me, michaelbuffalosmith at gmail.com. I'd be, be happy to have your input. All right, folks, that's it. Thanks a bunch. Keep it real. Keep it Southern. We'll catch you next time.